in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to this edition of the Ron and Don Show. He is Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill, and we are live once again in the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, let's talk about why our big brains seem to be shrinking. Yeah, also, things that men are really uncomfortable with. I saw a lot of men this summer going to Barbie movies, wearing pink. They looked a little uncomfortable, dog. We're going to talk about that. And before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Uh, BuzzFeed. I love BuzzFeed. They just ask a question, and then people jump on and answer. Here's the question. If you're an older person above the age of 65, what's the best skill that you've ever learned and you would want a 20- or a 30-year-old something version of yourself to know? And this is really cool, and I want to get Ron's thoughts. Number one, trust the timing of your life. Not everyone will or should follow the same timelines for careers, children, and marriage. And be okay with that. The traditional model of growing up, getting a job, even if you hate it, doesn't matter because you're going to get a pension, and then you get that travel trailer, and then you travel around until you get cancer, and then you're dying and you're dead and in the box. They're saying... uh they're saying, don't do that. Be be very comfortable in the way that your life unfolds, Ron. And, and, a, and a great life may unfold very differently than somebody else's life. I think that's awesome. That, that's a really good piece of advice. The thing that pops into my mind as you were saying that, that I wish I could go back and tell my younger self, not even in my 20s, but before that, is it's a, it's a model of communication I learned probably uh, in my late 30s, early 40s. It's the, the one-up one down, one over model. And so everything that we say in conversation, you can categorize as one up, one down, or one over. And so I constantly one-upped people um, when I was a younger person out of my own insecurities. So if someone would say, hey, um, we went skiing this weekend. Oh, yeah? Well, I went skiing in, in Colorado last year, and it was great. And, uh, if they said, man, we had such a good time, we went out to, to eat and we had a really good restaurant. Oh yeah. Well, I went to this Michelin starred restaurant and I always had to one up somebody cause I felt inferior about my own life. And so the, once I understood this, and so I was annoying to be around cause I would constantly one up people and whatever they said, I had to go one better, one bigger one. I had to make myself one up. And then there's another type of person that is always, I learned about this model of communication. They always one down themselves. So that type of person would be like, oh, well, you know, we can't afford to go out to nice to dinners or, oh, I injured my, my knee in uh, skiing, so I can't go skiing anymore. So they constantly are the Debbie Downer. Right. So whenever someone says something, they would go one down, yeah. and now they're the wet blanket in the room. Yeah. And then the one across person lets that person have their moment. Yes. That's great. Yeah. Tell me about the meal. Yeah. That's all. How was the snow? You're going to ask a question that's not about you. 
Uh, it's about them. And so it took me a long time and oh. I still don't think I've internalized this. I got to say, though, I think you're, I, I've noticed that change in you over the years. And I, I, I think you're one of the best at it. Like you're, you're really good at that. And so if I had learned that earlier, I know that I was annoying now looking back. Um, I thought that I had to prove every day that I'm smart. I'm good enough. Yeah. I can do this. I'm, I'm, I needed to constantly one up everybody in a desperate attempt to be popular and smart and good looking and athletic, whatever, what I was striving to be musical or have good taste, or I know what I'm talking about. And, um, when I finally, when I finally read about that communication style or that theory of communication, like, Oh my God. I constantly am one-upping. I don't want to be the one-up guy, and I don't want to be the one-down guy. How do I be the one-across person? Because my time to tell my story about skiing will happen. If, if I ask some good questions, how was the snow? What was it like? Who went with you? Did you have a good time? And then 10 minutes later, the person most of the time will say, you ski, right? Oh, yeah, I ski. Tell me about one of your trips. What's your favorite area? And yeah. now I'll get a chance to tell my story in a way where that person doesn't feel like I constantly one up them. Yeah, I, th I think that's really good. We we have a friend that is visiting with a hospice nurse right now, and so his partner said, uh, "You know, what's really helpful is if you guys go online and 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 you write stories." I always love a eulogy that everybody gets to give. I love a eulogy that's actually given before the p person passes away. I, I think giving eulogies when you know someone's dying and you, and you, and you do it when they're dead, it, it's like, why? I, I remember standing at my sister's funeral going, I wish she would have heard all these things from all these people. She didn't get to hear this. We, we should have done this eulogy because we've known that she's dying. Why didn't we do this? And, and, and so anyway, social media is really great for that because you're able to go out and, and, and give a slice of life. Uh, tell a story, and then everybody else gets to enjoy that story about this person that may not be with us much longer. And so I was reading through some of these stories, but then I ran into that. I ran into, oh, you know what? And then they started talking about their cancer. Or, oh, you know what? We just dealt with this with the thing. And and I, and I know sometimes people are just trying to relate, but to your point, Ron, which I think is really, take a moment, ask them a question, show that you care, or if you're going to tell a story, maybe tell the story about them and, 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 and try to not tell the story about you. And, 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 and I can be very bad at that because I, I can really, I can always really make the story about me as well. You, it, it's, there's a tendency us, us, us as humans to make us the hero of our own stories, even when we're telling somebody else's story. So when you read this Buzzfeed thing, what would you want to go back in time and tell? Cause I've known you since. You were in fifth grade. So what would you want to tell younger Don? Uh, well, let, let, let me, let me share a couple more of these and then, and then answer that question. Cause that's a good, good question. Let's, 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 let's do that at the end. Uh, number two, be comfortable changing your mind. Let your opinion shift. People say that we get more conservative with age, but that's not true. Let go of beliefs. You can do that more easily now. Don't blindly hang on to opinions, no matter what others believe. No one uh, is going to have beliefs that line up with yours. And if you're looking for people with those beliefs line up, you're going to be a very, very lonely person. And it's kind of what makes the world go around uh, being in the presence of other people that don't think like you. 
I often find when I'm in somebody else's presence and they think differently than I do, I really enjoy those conversations. I don't enjoy those when it's tit for tat on the other side of social media. I think that that dynamic uh, is a different dynamic and I don't enjoy that. What yeah, about you? Changing your mind is a good thing as long as it's based on a valid reason to change it. Uh, people that um, in politics go, oh, you flip-flopped. Well, if the evidence changed from the first time I made a statement till now, then it's good to change your mind. There's a famous quote, and I don't know who said it, but they basically said, well, the, the, the evidence and facts have changed since I made that statement, so I changed my mind. What do you do when the evidence changes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, number, four, number three or four, take good care of your teeth. Um, that's true. Taking good care of your teeth. Ron's not a flosser. You said your doctor says that you don't have floss. I'm a water jet guy. You're a water jet guy. Anyway, taking good care of your teeth, very important. When I was younger, I was in a family where we couldn't take good care of our teeth and we had a lot of issues and problems. I go back and I look at some of the pictures now of me with jacked up teeth. And when I got older and I could afford it, I could fix those. I'm really making sure with my son as he's growing up and growing older that, that he takes good care of his teeth because this is all you got. And if you don't take good care of your teeth and gums, it can lead to high blood pressure, heart attacks, cancer, all kinds of crazy things. So important to take good care of your and, teeth. And bad breath. <laughs> yeah, what about this? Only travel to places because they actually interest you don't do it because everybody else is going there or you saw that on social media. And even if you enjoy going to a certain part of the world over and over and over again, cause it's your bliss, go ahead and do that. If that's your bliss, sometimes people like the repetition. For instance, if you like British history of going back and seeing those cancel, uh, seeing those castles, uh, time and time again. So what's, what's uh, you? I don't know if I agree with that. If you go there, because you saw it on social media or your friends are going, as long as you have an open mind, I think you can have a great time. Like, like I kind of drug you to London. I don't think you were, you weren't hankering to go to London. Oh, I don't think uh, that's true. You're making yourself the hero of that story. No, like I prodded you a little bit. I said, Hey, Seahawks are going, let's go to London. And you we didn't agreed. even go to the Seahawks game. We didn't go to the Seahawks game, <laughs> but I think that you had an open mind and enjoyed yourself. Yeah. I had a great time. Uh, let's see. Uh, don't forget you can develop new habits and you can still break bad ones. Even when you get older, sometimes we, we get set in yeah, our I mind. Think the old dog, new tricks thing is a fallacy. Yeah. And then, uh, also finally, uh, everybody makes stupid mistakes when they're young, and while some of them are more regrettable or irreversible than others, don't believe the bad habits of your youth make you who you are. Maturity and insight are great, and uh, they can motivate you to uh, change. So anyway, what was your question? What you ask? What would you uh, tell young Squire Don O'Neill? Man, you know what? I would do more like uh, I heard Brett Favre say the other day, um, and I, I've heard other football players say that that even kids in high school should not play, shouldn't play tackle football. We're playing flag football right now. Uh, I played a lot of tackle football. I love playing tackle football. Uh, and I think I would have liked to continue to play, ta- even, even, even though I know what I know now, I think I would have liked to continue to play uh, tackle football in, in college. And, and I had some decisions to make there. Looking back, I'm glad that I didn't play tackle football in college because I see CTE. Uh, and again, we don't know if that's just a genetic marker or that's something that happens. 
uh, in certain parts of the population. The brain is a real mystery to us. But I, but I, but I think protecting the brain, wearing helmets, all that stuff as you get older is important. I also think, like, I would. So wait, you, you would have told yourself. You would have gone back in time and told high school Don to play college football or to not play football? Probably to not play football. Yeah. Every day I wake up, I feel football. I feel like like when I roll out of bed, there's certain things that that I do to make my body work. And then once it gets lubricated and is working, it works great. But but yeah, I feel football every morning when, when, when I wake up. And you start thinking about concussions. You start thinking about uh, being in a car accident and every time somebody hits you. All, all that, all that's real. So, and I, and I think what I would have thought about, like my son just joined the school of rock. Uh, he is now playing the tuba in the band because nobody else wanted to play the tuba. So he informed me the other day that he's a tuba player now. Uh, he's very involved in drama and some of those things. I think I would have been more involved in those things because as I gotten older, it makes sense for the career, the direction that I took. But I was so afraid to be in drama because of what the football players would think about me. Or I was so afraid of being in marching band because I wanted to be out there, uh, you know, playing football. So everything for me was driven by football. I wish it would have been more driven by the arts. Hmm. Yeah. So what about you? No, I already said mine. That's great, though, for What'd you. What did you say? I said uh, the communication. One up. I was top one upping everybody. Um, I wasn't listening. You didn't communicate very well. <laughs> See you on the other side. More on the other side. (laughs) Hey, one of the things Ron and I really like about Les Schwab is they are always doing the right thing. You've heard us say before, hey, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. It's true. And the thing I love is they really get involved in the micro communities around here. Because, you know, Seattle, Tacoma, Five Fremont, what are we? We're just, it's a really cool area where you find 300 cities and towns that are just kind of connected with bridges, water, and mountains. But let's not forget what's happening in Maple Valley for kids. This is pretty cool, Ron. Yeah, on July 22nd, the Valley Girls and Guys at Les Schwab will be having their fifth annual Be the Hope Walk at Summit Park in Maple Valley. It benefits the Valley Girls and Guys Foundation and is uh, dedicated to providing assistance to local families who are impacted by any type of cancer diagnosis. How cool is that? So you can participate and register. That's a 1.8 mile walk. It's 35 bucks. You can go to valleygirlsandguys.org. That's valleygirlsandguys.org. All right. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. All right. Listen up, Everett in Woodby Island and our friends over on Bainbridge and of course down in the South Sound and over to Wenatchee. What's and right up, up University Place? Yeah, and right on the east side and of course all our freaky friends in Fremont. You know why I name all these places? Because Ron and Don have the biggest social media following and the biggest podcast of any realtor in the state of Washington and probably in the Pacific Northwest and probably in the country. As a result of that, Everybody in the Ron and Don Nation, well, they're choosing Ron and Don to sell, buy, and invest in real estate. And why do you do that? It's because you trust us with a capital T, and we have a connection from all our years of doing Trustor Radio. But Ron, at the end of the day, we still have to step in, do a great job, be phenomenal, and win the deal, right? Yeah, it all starts with the Ron and Don sit-down. It's a 30 to 45-minute Zoom call, free of charge, no obligation. We'll meet you, see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can set it up on the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. 
All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, just reach out, Ron and Don, sit down, uh, dot com. Our brains, they're shrieking. What's going on here? Uh, this was a uh, pretty interesting. It's funny. The, so Don, Don, behind the scenes, Don usually picks uh, uh, many of these stories, and he'll send them to me throughout the week. And you you pick a lot of things on a lot of things on longevity and health, which makes sense if, if you know if people know you, uh, you like a lot of things about AI and you like a lot of things about brain and cognition issues. Um, so that, that's sort of your, seems like the stuff that you're attracted to falls. A lot of it falls into those real estate investing, real estate investing. So this thing on brain, um, the evolution of the brain was interesting. And they said, basically, uh, scientists or, or, or historians are looking back and they're going, when you look at the fossil record, um, one of the big markers, of course, for Homo sapiens was the brain size. Brain size grew and grew and grew and became to the point where we developed language and we're off to the races uh, evolutionarily along those lines. Then there was a tipping point where the brain then started to shrink a little bit. And it went from its, so we are not at our max brain size right now. We're maybe 10, 12% smaller than the fossil record would show as the max brain size. And scientists were trying to figure out, well, why did that happen? It doesn't make sense because now we're technologically advanced. Language has never been more advanced. Uh, our science has never been more advanced. Why would our brain not continue to evolve and get bigger? Uh, why would it get smaller? I think it's because of the price is right. Too many people just sitting at home, just watching game shows. Uh, they said that's part of it. That falls into the theory. Yeah. The theory is, is that as societies became more complex, we could offload many things in our brain to the group. And so when you were a solo hunter, you had to remember everything, where the hunt was, all the weaponry, uh, where all the migratory patterns of the things you were following. And you had to be in great shape because you you could never run as fast as the herd, but, but, but go on a run sometime with, with, with an elk or a deer or even a horse or a steer Go go on a run, and there's no way that you're going to be able to catch them until they're tired, right? Uh, and then once they're tired, that's when you can hunt and gather. But many times when you were hunting, you would have to run and move 8 to 15 miles a day in order, whatever you're stalking, to, uh, to tire it out. Because that fast twitch muscle, yeah, they can they can they can run 20, 25 miles an hour. You can't. You probably top out at maybe sixteen. But the thing that you have that they don't have is you have the ability to do it as a human and to do it a lot longer, right? And uh, a lot of that has to do a lot of that has so to do with, in with this the brain. Example: When you're in a group, Don could be in charge of. Uh, the stocking stuff. I might be in charge of the weaponry. Someone else could be in charge of what to do with the animal after you got the hunt done. And so you could distribute the knowledge to a group. And they said that as society became more complex, uh, we could offload a big parts of our brain uh, load to the collective. And so that's why they think that it sort of peaked. And then you didn't have to know everything. Now you could offload that. And it's sort of settled in to the brain size that we have now. I, I think that seems like a plausible 
uh, theory if you extrapolate that over hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of years. Yeah, I think it's also interesting. I sent you an article last week that talked about the fact that that we went for tens of thousands of years with a population on Earth of about 1,200 whatever humans were at that time, about 12 to 1,300. Uh, so we... <laughs> We got to pay attention here to climate change and global warming or whatever else you like to call it, because it almost happened once and it seems like it could happen twice. So, yeah, that's a good point. The bottleneck theory of uh, the fossil record of going. Remember, Homo sapiens is only one of the sapien populations. It happens to be the one that that won out and we're here now. But at the time. Back in the day, there was six, seven. What did the book Sapiens? Was there ten? There was more than five. I don't remember the exact I think it was number. Seven, yeah, like seven different hominoid species, and and there was no real rhyme or reason on why sapiens won out. It could have been Homo erectus or it could have been one of the other hominoid uh, categories that were stronger, faster, uh, more powerful. But the Homo sapien is the one in that great event that sort of pared everything down with cataclysmic change down to 1200. And it just happens to be the one that won uh, for a lot of different reasons. I tell you what, if we got it down to twelve hundred, I don't think we'd do as many run and on sit downs, but I do think that real estate would be a lot more affordable. Uh, we will see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, it's interesting as the interest rates have risen, many people thought, oh, well, there'll be a bunch of inventory that comes on right at the first part of 2023 and then things will level out. That didn't happen. Inventory remains tight. Interest rates remain high. Why would that still be a good time to buy? Well, now's a great time to buy, and that's because rates are going to drop, and we're going to see a feeding frenzy. Right now, there's a huge stagnant hole in the market, and that's that 700k to 1.2-ish million dollar home. And all the people living in those homes right now either refied or bought in a two and a half to three and a half percent rate, and they're terrified to move. They know if they sell their home, they're going to have to jump into a six six and a half percent rate, and it just won't look as attractive. So what's going to happen is rates are going to drop and all those people who wanted to move wanted to upsize wanted to move for whatever reason you know people just like to move in life but they don't move if there's this blocker and we're going to see that blocker come off we're going to see the cap come off and we're going to see a, a bit of a frenzy here all right so this would be the time to buy and then replace the rate uh, once it drops with your new program yeah we've got the rate and replace program you can buy now and you can refi free of charge free of the lender fees um, and we'll take care of those for you. So great deal. All right. Check him out online at Mitch.loans. It's not a .com. It's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, before we get out of here, a new poll is out. It asks men about things they're uncomfortable doing. Uh, and these are things that men are not okay with. This is so funny. <laughs> got to be honest, though. <clears throat> You got to be honest, because sometimes some of the things we're not okay with, like in my mind, I know it's okay, but I know the way that I'm wired, that it's still a little weird for me and not okay. So let's start talking about men and men crying in front of other men. 48% of men say that they're uncomfortable crying in front of other male friends. I have to say I'm uncomfortable crying in front of everyone. Uh, crying for me is but not you're about, a crier though. 
Yeah, and I like to have a good cry, just like Keith Ur- Urban says. I think if you've done any work on this life, I think there's a real release to crying. To me, it's very private. I usually cry in the shower, uh, and I love to cry. Like, like, and I'm okay. Like, if I'm gonna cry, and I'm a, and I know something's coming up specifically, and I'm gonna cry in front of my son, I let him know. I just say, hey. I want to let you, cause I want it to be okay for him too. I want to let you know when they, like when we went to the nine 11 Memorial, I let my son know the night before that your dad's going to be crying. Some of the crying, this, 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 this is why I'm probably going to cry and I want you to be okay with it. And I told him it was okay. If he cried, we went there, I cried. He did not. And I told him it was okay not to cry because he, to him, that's a piece of history. He he wasn't on the radio that day like you and I were. So so for him, like if I have I ever really sat down and cried about what happened at Pearl Harbor, I don't think so, right? Because I wasn't alive at that. And, and even though I have great sympathy, it it, it wasn't part of my immediate history. I've so. cried with like movies. Let's say like the Clint Eastwood Iwo Jima movies, where there was one shot from the uh, Amer- the Allied perspective and one shot from the Japanese perspective. I wasn't alive during that time, but I I, I got emotional yeah. watching that recreation uh, or the Flight ninety three movie on on nine eleven that was you know inside that airplane. Like I, I would cry at things like that, even though I wasn't there. So um, anyway, yeah, I, I I am not comfortable with that one either. So in that poll, I would have said I, I'm not opposed to it. Like I would do it, and I think I have cried in front of you, but it wasn't a comfortable situation. There were other things on there that I think are just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, what about wearing pink? 31% of men said that they're uncomfortable wearing pink. I sure saw a lot of guys out there wearing pink at the Barbie movie. And it's really interesting. My son went to the Barbie movie the other day. He didn't go with me. Uh, he went with somebody that's a female. And at first he told me he didn't want to go and I don't want to wear pink. And so then I asked him how the movie was and he said he cried and he loved the movie and he was very, he was very moved by the movie. I don't get the prohibition around color. Like I, I, if you like the color pink, wear pink. Like I saw saw a pair of shoes, uh, Pumas that had a pink stripe on them. Thought they looked great. I bought them. They're a little too narrow for my foot. But if they were more comfortable, I would wear them all the time. Pink, I have some pink shirts. Like if you like pink, wear pink. I don't know why a guy would feel emasculated or toxic about the color pink. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, things that guys are uncomfortable with. Uh, we're uncomfortable with uh, sharing our feelings uh, with other men, which which I've worked. I, on I this think one. guys are just uncomfortable sharing their feelings in general, right? Or is that yeah. just hu- is that just humans in general? I uh, probably guys. This is, we're brought up to be tough guys, and we've talked about this a lot over the years. But like, I just went and visited uh, uh, one of my best friends down in California, and we both now are comfortable saying, "I love you." Like he has had uh, some medical, like cancer stuff in the past, and so we we now have got to the place in our relationship where we can just say, "I love you." And so it's it's great. You to, you, you don't say love you. You love say, ya. I, I love. He says I love you, and I say I love you too. I know, but the, the, either that way, is a, that is a thing that no, it's for me. It's different. 
love you, love you is different than I love you. I love you is a real commitment. It, it really is. Is it like a romantic thing or something? No, I just, I like, I tell people I love them. Like, I tell my son I love him, and he tells me that he loves me. Uh, but it is not natural for me to do that because I did, I did, I did not, I was not, I, re, I was raised in a very stoic family by a generation of parents that were part of the, the silent generation. Their parents were the greatest generation. Their parents came home from war, got to work, uh, laced up the boots, went back to the factories, were building bombers, and they went back uh, to building cars and other things, and you just got on with it. And, and the silent generation, our parents, the boomers, were raised by those parents. And, and so modeling that, I'm trying to model that in my own house, but I, but I have to say it's not natural for me. I, I've had to learn to do that. But so. is it uncomfortable? Uh, is it uncomfortable? No, when, not when I mean it. Not when right, I mean, not it. You mean it. And I think enough life has gone by. Uh, if I tell you I love you, you're gonna know it. I'm gonna mean it, but I'm not just gonna tell you. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna show you. The one that I thought that was the funniest to me is like if you were out in a really uh, sunny day that men would not, would, they'd rather get a sunburn than ask their male friend yeah, to put that's sun, that's, that's, that's just dumb, yeah. put suntan lotion on their back. Yeah, and you don't have to even have to rub it in, you can just spray it. Yeah, I have the spray one. I've done men. Spray spray the back of my neck. We're going on a hike. Get over it. Well, all right. Are we done here today? Yeah, I think we're done. Thank you. All right, Ron, I love you. I love you too, Don. All right. <laughs> that's, that's not uncomfortable. It's not uncomfortable. Just, Charlie's uncomfortable, though. Yeah, sorry about that, Charlie. Anyway. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this uh, episode of the Ron and Don Show. We sure do appreciate you. Just a couple of guys sitting here telling each other that we love each other with, uh, and we both are wearing pink today. It so. looks good. Very interesting. I love your pink loafers. And for some where you wore pink underwear uh, with no pants, but you never, know, story how, for different never know how Ron's going to show up for, well, because when you're doing a Ron and Don sit down, it's just from the waist up. So, wow, this is going off the rails. See Wrap it up, O'Neal. Yeah. Anyway, hey, if you need us, uh, com. We'll throw some pink on and uh, we'll connect. If you're thinking about investing, buying, and selling, uh, now is the time, you guys. As I shared before, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, who's heavily invested in real estate, she says, now is the time to buy. Don't shop an interest rate. Everyone that's shopping an interest rate, they're on the sidelines. So that gives you a competitive advantage. You buy now. And then you refinance down the road. And you can even make a deal with the folks that are helping you uh, buy your house. You could go to them and say, hey, I'm going to buy this house a year from now. I see myself refinancing. Would you do it for free? I want that to be part of the deal. And most of them right now would say yes. How about that? Yeah. Say, hey, will you refinance me a year from now? So let's say that you buy a house. You get the seller to buy down your rate. And then on top of that, you get the mortgage person to say, we'll go ahead and do your refinance for free. Uh, why wouldn't you buy now? That's exactly the way that a savvy buyer would do it. And sellers, yeah, there's not a lot of homes for sale. You have to make sure when you bring your house to market, though, that it's on point. If it's not on point, it'll sit. Of course, you should inspect your house. Of course, you should remedy. You should spend about anywhere between a percent to 2% of what that home is worth of bringing that house to market. And you spend that dollar, you'll get two back. Make sure that you talk to an agent like us that understands how to do that. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to overdo it and spend too much money on putting in that brand new kitchen right now. Make it look brand new with new appliances and paint and poles. 
But yeah, actually pulling out those cabinets, not time to do that right now. So anyway, reach out to us, ronadonsitdown.com, and then we can come out and virtually visit your property. And for investors out there, we already shared that great news from Mitch Not Loans, Ron, where, where they have a new loan product that we haven't seen before, right? Yeah, you can buy a product or a home, a multifamily, where they are, are putting it on the house and what it will cash flow, not necessarily what your W-2 is. So if you want to sit down, go to ronadonsitdown.com. You can email me directly, ron at ronadon.com, and uh, Don is don at ronadon.com. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Show Radio. Head up, shoulders back. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.